Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Geico Mobile, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. This week's sponsor is your local Geico Mobile. Hey y'all, did y'all know Geico offered water service? That's right, it'll cover breakdowns, gas problems, all kind of stuff like that that we may run into on the water. Hey, and you can even bundle it with your existing boat insurance to save more. Call Ron Davis of Geico Mobile and get you a quote, 251-445-0053. That's Ron Davis at 251-445-0053 or visit him online at geico.com forward slash mobile dash al. I am your host, Brian Sin, and we have your co-host, Stephen Wisdom. What's up? Steven. Man, I'm here. I'm happy. And our building has new AC. So I am happy, happy, happy. Which makes me really happy as well, <laughs> guys, because it got hot up in here. Man, last week was a, so glad to be back. Last week was a debacle when it came to the advancement of technology where I was at in all hopes to be on the show via Zoom like our guests come, but found myself in an area of the world that I guess was uh, still back in the 1800s because there was no signal for miles upon miles upon miles. I looked like an utter fool trying to find a signal last week to to be on the the show, but we appreciate the effort, (laughs) man. And we missed you on here. uh, We had our, we had our get Oh, Norman stepped up though. Thankfully uh, he was able to last minute jump on. So it all worked out. We had some great guests last week, man. You have a good weekend. Do any fishing yourself? I did. I actually, uh, man, in the last week I fished a little private 300 acre lake. That was a little secret place. Can't tell you much about it, but all I can tell you is it was the bomb.com and I was catching them on far- frogs and the lily pads, which is probably one of my favorite, hmm. you know, especially when a, a big six pounder comes flying out of the pad. So, I mean, these fish were, they were ready to chomp. So that, that was fun. You know, the lake was full of hydrilla and coontail and reminded me a lot of Florida and it, it, it was fun. And then had the last minute little come out of nowhere trip to down to Apalachicola, caught a couple speckled trout. Oh, nice. Just a little short couple hour trip. So, so did that. And then we got a little crazy on the weekend for the weekend, me and my family. Last minute, rvshare.com. Rented an RV off rvshare.com. It was amazing. Where did y'all go? Because we have been wanting to do that. We've looked into it. Yeah. So we ended up in the greater Gulf Shores Foley area because after, I am not exaggerating, Brian, over 200 phone calls to campgrounds. Hey, people apparently like to camp on Memorial Day weekend in Alabama post-COVID-19 because literally... There was 200 campgrounds booked full. We finally found one in Foley and and then got up that morning, went to the beach, go shores, and then we found one uh, a little outside of town the next night, stayed there for a couple nights and, you know, went back and forth to the beach. But it was awesome, man. We we, we got one of the C-class, so the drivable ones, and, you know, everybody was in the back watching TV. Oh, that's awesome. It was a lot of fun. Had, had a great weekend. Exhausting, but... You know, well, what, what's fun without being exhausted? I'm not going to tell the full version of the story because it would take the whole podcast, but you weren't as tired as me at the end of the weekend, and your weekend was 
very positive, it sounds like, <laughs> and mine was the exact opposite. It probably Saturday, and, I, and I'm not kidding when I say this, besides somebody passing away or dying or getting severely hurt, it was the single worst day of my life. I would say that would be fair to say. So me and Brenda decide we're going to go hiking. Mm-hmm. Big place, not far off of Highway 55, mm-hmm. not Just, too far from where we're sitting. Mm-hmm. We parked the truck. We're going to cut through and walk through the woods to get to this road, to get up and hike and jog and run and just go to a new place. We do that. We wander around in the woods for two hours. There's creeks, there's swamps. I got my wife. Two hours later, we get back to the truck to find that she has locked the keys in my truck. Mm -hmm. So we climb up on top of this hill. We can see, we say, okay, there's the mountain. We know our house is over here. There's the power line. If we hit this power line, we can come up. We can walk down the road. We can be at the house. We go another big creek. I cross a log. My wife won't cross it. She's scared. Walks down the creek, finds another log, falls off of it, loses my $200 fishing glasses, got a five-foot moccasin six feet from her. She's down in the screaming. I had to go get her out of there. We go up on the hill. I call my son, uh, Gabe, and I say, Gabe, hey, man, if you hit this road, come back where we built the fire. You know, we, we went up and, and mm-hmm. camped and stuff before. So just come past that. We're on that road. Well, guess what? We wasn't on that road. I thought we was on that road, but that road forked, and I didn't know it. <laughs> so Gabe goes past us, can't find us, gets stuck. And I'm talking about in a place he never should have went. Yeah. He gets stuck, calls me, dad, I'm stuck. I got to be at work at Chick-fil-A in like 20 minutes. I, I just walked out to Highway 55. I said, well, flag somebody down, go home, get Brenda's car, go to work, and we'll figure this out. So he does that, leaves his car there. Me and Brenda finally get out, hit the road that we want, get a call from her other son, Cal. Cal, oh, hey, hey, guys, I'm, I, I'm, I've been down here with my friends kayaking and canoeing and and I lost my keys, and I'm standing here with a locksmith, and he got into my car and made me a new key, but he needs $600. For a key, he needed $600. Oh, wow. So we got that done. Six hours after this starts, and 12 and a half miles later, we get home. Get Drew, our 22-year-old. Drew takes me in my truck. We get my truck, go to pull Gabe out. Guess what? I get stuck worse than Gabe. So now we got to call Brenda again, get him, <laughs> her to get in his car, come get us and we go back and we get out and we say, all right, guys, I'm wiped out. I got nothing left. Let's just go grab something to eat. On the way to get something to eat, Gabe calls. Hey guys, uh, dad, I, I messed up. I'm like, what, what do you mean? He's like, well, we weren't real busy at work and I lied to him and told him I had something come up and I had to go. And I went to the late with my friends in Brenda's car and I just hydroplaned on the way back. And, and I think it's totaled. <sighs> that happened all in one day. <laughs> you can't make that up. Wow. Six hours the next day to get both vehicles on stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> let's mean, talk fishing, man. Let's I, talk my anxiety. My anxiety level is through the roof as I look out here in the parking lot at your truck covered in mud. Let's talk some fishing, man. Let's let's, let's go to segment one and just put that weekend behind <laughs> us. For the Oh, wow. Crazy stuff. Anyway. So for segment one today, we are going south. We're going down toward Mobile to the Delta with Captain Wayne Miller. What's going on, Captain? Hey, guys, man, I tell you what, uh, finally, we're uh, kind of getting lined out down here on the on the Delta, as we call it. You know, the fishing's really starting to pick up good. Um, uh, I, I guess probably one of the biggest transitions we've had over the last couple of weeks is uh, the fact that uh, after an extremely high water 
spring. Uh, I mean, we just had a really uh, historical flooding down here on the Delta. Uh, but now all those rivers, you know, which we primarily look at the Tom Bigby, the Alabama, and all that feeds into the Delta here in Mobile. You know, we've got those river stages down now. And uh, so really it's opened up the bass fishing everywhere from the Delta, uh, which is right here on the causeway in Mobile, all the way up to Alabama and the Tom Bigby rivers. So, um, you know, that's just been fantastic for us because we were pretty much bottlenecked down right here along the coastline uh, for quite a few months. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's crazy to think because, you know, outside of uh, definitely some seasons uh, or, or weeks of rain in the spring, we wouldn't have experienced that up north, but it, it's all funneling right down there and it just took over <laughs> the delta, yeah. It so yeah, it really does. But, you know, it's a two-edged sword in that it keeps a lot of people off the water from the standpoint of, you know, we just can't go up and fish all those flooded areas. Mm -hmm. But now from the health of the fishery standpoint, it is phenomenal. Every time we have one of these exceptionally high flooding events in the early spring, uh, we we see benefits for it for the rest of the year because, uh, basically, what you have is these fish have access to these tremendous cypress swamps. Mm. And, you know, they just basically go up in there for two, three months, and all they do is eat crawfish. So they're not stressed out. It's it's the guys like me that want to go catch them. We're the ones that are <laughs> under a lot of stress. Yeah. yeah, and you're exactly right, man. We, we uh, you know, I grew up down in, in South Alabama for a big part of my life, and we used to go in there and fish some of those oxbow lakes off the Alabama around Mount Vernon and McIntosh. I don't know if you're familiar with oh, Gilbert's man. Lake. And oh, things. oh, yeah, man. But, uh, uh, I've, man. I've been in some of them the last couple of days, as a matter of fact. It is like stepping back in time if you've never done that. These cy cypress swamps and, and just the wildlife that's that's down there. And it's an amazing fishery. But that's exactly right. Those things, those in those high flooded times, they it turns into thousands of acres of swamp with food. Yeah. So it's good stuff. So now yeah. that now that well, the, the delta's kind of stabilized and back down and you know, I think we all know that the Delta, as far as the Alabama freshwater systems, could can be one of the more frustrating systems, especially for, for a guy who's not on it all the time like you. And so, you know, tell our listeners about, you know, what's going on in the Delta right now. Uh, how's it fishing? How are you How are you approaching it? And, you know, what, yeah. what does it look like right now? Well, you know, uh, just kind of a little historical perspective from the standpoint of, you know, people when they first start trying to, to fish down here, uh, one of the primary challenges is, uh, you know, and, and we mentioned that about the river stages. So, you know, that's something that you always have to look at because not only does it affect the level, it affects the clarity of the water and the temperature. So that's one factor that you always have to take into consideration. And then unlike any other fishery up the state, we have the tidal effect. So you really have to factor in what are the tides doing because these fish are acclimated to those tides and that's what they use to feed with because it generates current and uh, they are really, you know, I mean, they, it's not that you can't catch fish when the water's not moving, 
but they primarily are much more aggressive and feed much heavily, you know, during those times of, of water movement when, when that tide is generating current. So, you know, the conditions we got right now, you know, I mentioned that we got the rivers down. So uh, one thing that we, we've really just transitioned here over the last week, uh, about a week and a half ago, our water temperatures were still uh, hovering around 70 degrees. And typically our water's warmed up a lot more than that by this time of the year. But what I've seen over the last week, because I've been on the water virtually every day, uh, you know, that water is starting to really warm up now. You know, this coming week, we'll have a, a full moon. And uh, we've still got, you know, uh, waves of fish, you know, that'll come in and spawn. Our our spawn's not over down here. So we've got, it, it's kind of, everything is a little bit later this year. So we've still got a lot of fish up in those shallow flats and in, in those lakes and bayous off the main river. But we've also got fish that have already spawned, obviously, over the last few months that have starting to transition out into the main rivers. So, you know, we kind of got a mixture right now, of, you know, and, and I enjoy it because, you know, what I do is I try to target those creeks and bayous early and late in the day for a topwater bite. And then up in the day when it, you know, on the days when we get a lot of heat and it's hot, you know, I'll, I'll transition out to the main rivers and uh, target with primarily summertime patterns. You're talking about, you know, fishing ledges with, with soft plastic, with crankbaits, with spinnerbaits. But, uh, you know, target those fish out there. So, you know, I, I guess the primary, you know, information right now from the standpoint of the fishing is, uh, you know, we've still got just about anything you want to do right now uh, from the standpoint of you can still fish up in the creeks, way up in the head of the creek and, uh, you know, the bayous and even the bay, uh, even those shallow bays, you know, that have a lot of grass in them. We still got a tremendous number of fish that are in those uh, because we just hadn't had the transition of the water temperature up to the point yet where it pushes those fish out to deep water. That's amazing. You know, one thing that the Delta really intrigues me because uh, I've fished around the country with different tidal type lakes as well. And it is just always very intriguing. It's another element of figuring out. But you mentioned the causeway a minute ago, which is very intriguing to me because actually just this weekend, me and my son were having a conversation about like, dad, how, like, when did the bass start? How far do you have to go up to catch a bass? And so so when you say the causeway, are, are you talking about like the I-10 bridge or? Uh, yeah, I mean, right there on the causeway there adjacent to Mobile Bay. I mean, and there's tremendous numbers of bass down there. Like uh, li- you know, literally. Even though, even though that's brackish water, I mean, those bass really flourish in that environment. That's crazy to think that. I mean, I'm 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 actually sitting here looking at it on a map, and because I'm very intrigued. I mean, these these bass are literally going right to the edge of where the salt water starts. I would have I would have never thought that. I wouldn't have either. I, I would have yeah. thought you you're fishing for specks in there and reds and things like that, uh, mackerel. But but I would not have thought largemouth bass would have bass would have been in that area that's amazing so are, are the bass well, well you know to give you an example of not only the the quantity but the quality of fish 
over the last, you know, for really the first quarter of the year, I mean, uh, really through April, we had flooded conditions which restricted any fishing, bass fishing in the middle and the upper delta. So all our local tournaments, which typically will have anywhere from 60 to 100 boats in them, most of those were pretty much restricted to right down that area we're talking about along that causeway. Just about every one of those tournaments, you know, it'd take anywhere from 13 to 16 pounds on a five-fish limit to win them. So you're talking about, you know, quality fish that live down in that extremely brackish water. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. So does do, do things change? Like, I'm looking here on the map, you know, Chickasaw Creek, the Sarah Bayou, the, those creeks look really, really clean compared to the rest of the Delta. Is that a player in, in the whole Delta fishing concept, is these, these cleaner creeks? Or is this just yeah. a, an element of, of this map? Yeah, you know, those creeks that you just mentioned, that, and both of those are over on the west side of the Delta, on the lower end. But now they typically stay extremely clear and clean. Mm-hmm. However, this year, due to that extremely high flooding, Mm-hmm. They stay flooded for months. So, you know, even those cleaner creeks that you have, you have a few of them over on the east side and you have some over here on the west side. But, uh, you know, in those tight flooded conditions, even those, you know, get flooded. And those creeks, uh, as we progress in the summertime and especially in the fall, what we see is that brackish water really migrates further and further up. I mean, we see and routinely catch saltwater, what is considered saltwater species like redfish and speckled trout as far up as Dead Lake and, uh, you know, the I-65 bridge, it goes across the Delta. Yeah. So that'll give you, that'll give you some kind of idea about how far up, you know, that water moves, that brackish water. Wow. That's crazy. So you go out in the in the mornings right now. You're fishing a little top water in the in the marsh in the bayou areas. What are you using? And then you're transitioning to the deeper water, just in in your Carolina rigging. You know, yeah, you know, tech- early. You know, this fishery down here has always historically been a great fishery for buzz baits, and I mm. throw a lot of different buzz baits. You know, I throw, you know, everything from big monsters that look like, you know, the hood of your truck that, you know, sound like a, a truck to little small ones. You know, I mean, just a myriad of different buzz baits. But, you know, some of the, you know, more popular baits and new baits like whopper ploppers and things like that, they work extremely well here. But, you know, when, when I'm talking about fishing those creeks and those bays this time of year down here on the lower end of the delta, you know, you're talking about relatively shallow creeks and, and bays that have a lot of grass and vegetation. So, uh, you know, when you target those, you really have to look at baits that, you know, you can work uh, either on top or virtually right under the surface. And that's one reason, uh, like inline spinner baits, this is, you know, one of the few places in the state that is, you know, you'll find the majority of people that throw spinner baits down here are throwing inline, not safety pin type mm-hmm. spinner baits, but actually inline. Uh, yeah. The Hildebrandt Snagless Sally is probably the most popular and 
just about everybody knows that particular yep. bait. Yeah. And uh but but it's a real good bait that allows you to to work it, you know, over the top of grass. And uh that's one reason it's so good down here. One of the most popular colors in that particular bait is called a bruiser and it's actually a uh, uh black and blue, but people use a white twin tail trailer on it and it actually mimics a uh, blue crab mm -hmm. and these fish down along that causeway uh if you clean some of them one thing you'll find is they're just full of little quarter and half dollar size blue crabs that's one of their favorite foods down here to eat <laughs> that's so enlightening you know it's just it's such a different description what we're used to hearing what what i'm used to experiencing uh it's it's almost like it's its own world which is only making Alabama's fishery that much more dynamic. I, I love it because even if a guy's listening to the show that's outside of the state, coming to Alabama to fish, you literally can experience so many things. And, and even today, hearing this bass fishing description in a way that uh, we've never heard before. So that it, it's pretty amazing, man. It is. Uh, yeah. And we are, man. We are so fortunate in Alabama to have the, the systems that we do. I mean, we got a lot of water in this state. and It's so diverse, not just the styles of fishing and what the fish are doing at any given time, but even the scenery is, I mean, you got the foothills and the mountains of the Tennessee River and uh, down through Lake Martin, and then you, the marsh and the, the delta is there again. The scenery is even totally Man, I, different. It's awesome. I, I, I would fish a flooded cypress swamp uh, any oh. day over anything else. I mean, I, 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 I love it. I first fell in love with it on uh, Santee Cooper uh, up in South Carolina. I fished a tournament there and found myself so deep into a cypress swamp. I was just throwing a stick bait, a little Cinco-type stick bait at the base of cypress trees for hours and hours and hours just lost it myself and look up and I am deep into this. I don't know how I got back in. <laughs> but it's so cool but because when you're back there like that, you uh, feel like you're the only one that's ever been there. You're the, yeah. You feel like you're the yeah. only person who's ever been here. And it, it sounded like I've never personally been on the mobile Delta and, and it sounds very similar when you're describing it, especially you know, when the water's high. So that, that's amazing. Uh, I, I love it. Look, the Delta can be very intimidating, I think, uh, for a lot of people. And so, Captain, if you, if you only had one, just if a guy was listening to this today and you just had one takeaway, one tip for him to, man, he, he's going to jump in the truck like I would and go give the Delta a shot. Like, what is, what is one tip? Uh, that you could give a guy who wanted to come fish down there? You know, the primary thing I would communicate to people because of the fact that a lot of people are apprehensive about fishing here, because when you look at it on a map or you look at it on your GPS, it's spooky. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just so much water. But I guess the one bit of advice I would give anybody, uh, the two main rivers when you get down toward the, the middle and the lower delta, uh, are the Mobile and the Tensaw. And we have, you know, you have a lot of primary launches right there on those rivers. I would strongly suggest people to launch on the main rivers there and fish them and, you know, slowly work your way into these lakes and all. 
because, you know, you can, I mean, there's just so many creeks and bayous and to get acclimated and really to know how to navigate all these takes an extremely long amount of time, you know, but there's a lot of good fishing right on the main rivers. And, you know, and you can work your way up in the lakes off the main rivers. Mm-hmm. You know, you really have to take this fishery just a little bite at a time because, and you're talking about diversity here in the state. I mean, we are blessed to have, uh, I mean, Alabama's got the most phenomenal fishing anywhere on the planet as far as I'm concerned, man. I just absolutely love it. But, you know, for us down here, uh, what's really fantastic is if you're a guy that loves to fish grass, you can stay down on the lower end of the delta, fish creeks and bays, and you can basically just stay down there and fish what you like to fish. You can hop in that boat. Uh, you can run 10, 15 minutes north, and all of a sudden you start going up in these big cypress lakes. So, you know, you're fishing Uh, big round bottom cypress trees and then you can progress 15 20 miles further up the delta and you get more into just regular like river fishing Mm -hmm. just a phenomenal fishery you know it it is uh from a navigational standpoint it's it's kind of scary for most people and you know the one thing that probably gets people more than anything else and i gotta mention this is you know People will launch, you know, they may launch in the morning down on the causeway. Well, you know, they idle past something and um, they come back in four or five hours later. There are birds walking around on what they just, you know, went (laughs) over, you know, four or five hours before. It scares people to death. They're like, man, you know, where'd the water go? And, uh, you know, so, I mean, the tidal effect has a lot to do with that. So, you know, I went a long way around to answer your question, but primarily if you stay on those main rivers, you know, it minimizes that tidal effect and you won't get in and, uh, you know, get somewhere that you don't need to be where the water drops out from under you. That's a good tip. Uh, and thank you for that. And that's something that people down there that's not used to those tides sure need to pay attention to because it'll get them in trouble. Thank you for that tip. The tip of the day is brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. Guys, if you have a pond, if you're managing a pond, uh, if you want to grow big fish or healthier fish or just get your lake in better shape, call Southeastern Pond Management. You can call Norman Latona. He's a co-host on our show. Y'all heard him on here before, and he'll be on here every month. But uh, give him a call at 205 288 one three seven one or just look them up southeasternpondmanagement.com and and give norman a call and these guys know what they're doing when it comes to managing ponds and lakes so uh, if that's what you need reach out to them absolutely guys and and look we've loved our segment today and and i want to have you on again captain because i want to dive deeper into tackling the whole tidal water concept uh, down on the delta but for now if a guy wanted to come fish with you, man, and really experience the Delta from a standpoint of you've already got a, got a lot of this navigation figured out, uh, as you mentioned, man, you've been on the water every day for the last week. If a guy wanted to come spend some time with you, how can he get in touch with you? Uh, you can reach me at uh, 251-455-7404. 
That's good, awesome. That's good stuff. Awesome. Well, Captain Wayne, thank you, man. And we, we really appreciate you being on today and look forward to having you back on on a regular basis. And uh, we hope you'll join us for that. And, uh, man, be safe out there. And good luck fishing, brother, and keep us posted. I'll do it. I appreciate it. Good fishing to you. All right, buddy. Thanks, thank man. you. All right, that was an awesome segment, man. Captain Wayne on here. I'm looking forward to him being on more, Stephen. That's good stuff. That was, man. Just just a whole new perspective of not only the pursuit, but just the landscape. But uh, it was good stuff. But I'm glad to be jumping over to where we're jumping because we haven't been on Gunnersville in several weeks. And just as majestic as that Delta sounded, uh, the Gunnersville is just as majestic. And I know because I've experienced it. I love Lake, Lake Gunnersville. I'm glad we, we got uh, a guest on today that's going to dig in the Gunnersville. Um, well, let's jump right to it. We got Jim Leary on here, and he is the guy that knows Gunnersville. So, uh, Jim, welcome to the show, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Always look forward to you being on here, buddy. Well, what's going on up there in North Alabama? Um, we got some rain. <laughs> we had some rain, and uh, I think we got a little more rain today. It's keeping the current going in the in the system, which is keeping them fish kind of grouped up. When you find them, you, you can really really put the hurt the hurt on them pretty quick. Are they are they moving out and schooling up now? Water temperature warm enough to? It's not totally like warm where you want it to be this time of year. We're a little behind, but there's fish out. I've been out for about three weeks. I'll fish out. They're getting spooky because there is a lot of people graphing and trying to catch them. So they're getting, I think they can honestly hear a, an outboard idle on a, like a mile away now because they do get jumpy. But when you find them when they're wanting to eat, it's some of the most fun you can have right now on the lake. That's amazing. So I know we talked uh, several weeks back and in the midst of the whole COVID-19 and everybody was off work and out of school and you know, as an Alabamian, what do you do? Well, you go to the woods or the lake. Is Gunnersville still pretty crowded? Abnormally, I know it, I know it stays crowded, but is it still abnormally crowded, or or is it kind of kind of calmed back down? Probably intensified since our last conversation. Actually, it gotten worse with with everybody out there from jet skis, you know, tubers, bass fishermen, catfish. I mean, you name it, everybody's on Gunnersville. Yeah, it is crowded. But like a day like yesterday and today. There ain't many many people out there because the weather's not that nice. Yeah, you know. I always used to say back in the day, if you had a good rain suit, you you could go catch them when no one else was, because because they ain't out there. <laughs> that rain shows up. People go to the That's house, and so I always kept, stayed invested in a good rain suit, and I fished in the rain. There you go. Had your frog togs on. <laughs> <or something. laughs> hey, well, and I have customers. Uh, when I have customers that ask me about the rain, you know, we're going to fish in the rain. I always tell them, you know, the fish are already wet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't care. You, you know, thinking about this, the crowds that are out there on the lakes right now, and it's all over the state. It's Gunnersville. It's Logan Martin. Lay, it's everywhere. People are getting out and playing in the sunshine and the warmer weather. But, you know, I was actually thinking about this the other day. We were on Logan Martin, I guess, Monday and the lake's crowded it's memorial day and you know i see guys that are literally right out of the line of the traffic off these points fishing in my mind i'm thinking why are you fishing right there i mean literally hundreds of boats are going past you and it's like a constant waves hitting you the noise of the engines but yet you're still fishing right there instead of kind of going back and getting away from the crowd a little bit. How much does that traffic affect the fish in your experience? I have firsthand experience 
two Sundays ago. This is no joke. I wrote about my fishing report. Had a customer out. We were in Browns Creek fishing. He was sitting there catching them pretty steadily. Now, we got out there you know, early, but there was a tournament about to take off at the ball fields, and he, he was catching them, and he was catching nice ones. And this tournament takes off about 15 boats. Not the first one really ran close, close to us, but, you know, they all took off like a shotgun start. And I promise you, as I'm sitting here, if I get struck by lightning, he didn't have another bite. Like, we wow. start, start talking, like, dude, like, you haven't had a bite since that tournament took off. He's like, you're, you're right. And we fished around all them humps and drops out there for the next two and a half hours without a bite. And we changed locations where I knew boats hadn't ran yet, ran over to all reds in an area, and he started getting bit again. So I believe our fish are getting real real wary of a lot of sounds like when there's a lot of boats on the water well it would make sense to me you know i would think that that would just be disruptive to them yeah i mean and you think about you know it's fresh alabama freshwater fishing report you know you got to take into consideration part of the fishing report really is the you know the judgment of of boat traffic and and how are you going to you know i used to always talk about you know during the bassmasters classic you know of a fisherman during the classic who's going to end up doing well, him managing boat traffic is a key element of his success. And it really is, you know, as Jim is describing, it, it, it really is an element of, of your success on a fishing day. Just a normal fishing day is on a lake like Gunnersville. How are you going to effectively manage the crowd and effectively manage boat traffic to be successful in that? And as Jim has just mentioned, having some secondary areas where you know aren't getting hit with as much boat traffic at certain parts of the day maybe you tackle those in those parts of the day it's a whole nother element of of work to put in to to really go out there and figure fish out so and i don't, I don't think anybody would ever have thought that today that that we really would be talking about boat traffic as right. the key part of the report, you know, but it is, but it is. Yeah, but it is. So let's, let's dig in a little bit, Jim, on when you do finally get settled in and, and get on some fish, how are they acting and how, how are you tackling them? You know, how, what's your approach on the fish you are catching? This, this, uh, this past week has been, been a big change. You know, we've had a shad spawn trying to start forever, and now that we're actually getting it, I'm not necessarily catching them like I normally do during a shad spawn. I think we're just so far behind. I think some are coming in and some are going out just missing each other. But, you know, there are bass around brim beds. They're, I think they're more more focused on brim beds than they actually are on the shad spawn. So in the mornings, you know, we're we're kind of focusing up shallow more than we normally would this time of year. But it's weird though. Like you'll, you'll, you'll find a good stretch where there's a good many of them, but once you catch one or two out of it, man, you might as well just leave because it's like, they just know it's weird. And I just watched him swindle on Bassmaster live and he marked a bunch of fish. They caught one and it's like, they disappeared. So I'm not, I know I'm not the only person dealing with this. Mm-hmm. It's weird. So you just, you just got to know where you got fish and you just have to, you got to leave where you just caught them. Cause you know, mentally you're not going to get bit for a while you got to come back you got to let it rest yeah that's what i was going to say only after one or two fish i mean i know that happens a lot of times gets, after you catch a big a bunch of them but it's happening real quick a bunch. And, but you get like you you mm-hmm. just mentioned that i was going to ask but you can circle back around you can let it rest come back later mm-hmm. in the day and and be able to catch a few more um before it happens we, and we did that on monday you know we started out you know, caught, actually caught four or five in one area, which was 
the positive thing. And we left and, you know, fished a bunch of places and we come back about three hours later and we caught some more off of it. You know, but that, you know, that's like a key little spot I have. And it's, it's been good for me the last few weeks. It's kind of an in-between in spot where, you know, it's not out and it's not all the way in. And it's just a little niche spot where they like to get. Normally they're there three or four weeks ago, they're, but they're there now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're catching, you're, you're going to catch your fish. You know, you can't, I haven't been able to sit in one spot and catch them all day yet. Yeah. Now I'm sure somebody is, I mean, they found some little spot that isn't getting abused but for the most part, we're, we're, we're burning gas, but we're catching fish. But you're now, catching fish. Now, when you are catching, are you, can you catch, catch them aggressively or are you having to slow down and use them? You know, how, how, where are you at in the aggressiveness well, of the baits? It's going this way. Each spot has its own mentality. Mm. I have one spot where we can chunk vibrating jigs at them. And I got a spot where we got to drag a big worm. I got... <laughs> Got a spot where we can catch them on top water any time of the day, whenever <laughs> yeah. whenever they're there. Yeah. And the neat part is about the top water, you know, you can visit that one two, three times a day and at least catch one on top water there. Yeah. I'm not a Senko thrower. I mean, but I, I do know there's guys catching 30, 40 fish a day on one right now. That just ain't me. I, I can't <laughs> I can't slow down enough to do that. <laughs> but, oh man, that is yeah. tough. That is that is a tough. I mean, that's a disciplined uh, tactic because even though it's very effective, it's like mm-hmm. watching paint dry. I'm too <laughs> ADD for that, man. man. It's, I got to move on. Oh Lord, I mean, uh-huh. it's, it's tough. Especially once you have discovered and built confidence in techniques like vibrating jigs and you know more you know cranking and running and gunning, you know top water. It's hard <laughs> to go out there. It's hard, you know, do that. So, um, yeah, I did get into some cranking fish yesterday after my trip was over. I went back out because it wasn't hot, you know, so you mm-hmm. could just stay out all day. And mm-hmm. I, I found me a group of fish that would eat a crankbait, but it'd take about 25, 30 casts and you catch one. Wow. You know, it's not saying you had to hit, hit one rock to get them to bite. It just, I think they were just moving around. Mm-hmm. you know one one be there when when the bait come by and they choke it you know anywhere from 15 to 18 feet you know is there a lot of fish that out there out 15 or 18 they're just moving or, or are they still trying to uh, get they're still they're still trying i, I think I, what i think's happening I, I think they're 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 out there then there's then they just disperse because the shad spawn that because here's what happens out on these deeper parts in the morning there'll be floating grass you know most places right now where the fish are holding there's eddies because mm-hmm. we got a lot of current so there's floating eelgrass there well the shad are spawning up underneath that so it's real hard to catch those fish in the mornings out there because they just won't eat anything that i can figure then you can come back and there'll be fish like stacked up but they're almost impossible to catch because i think they're full but they're just they're in and out i don't know how to describe it they're just not they're not staying grouped up like we're we're traditionally used to yeah this time of year i think everything's just behind those cold snouts we had earlier the extra rain that we've had it's just it's just the water temperatures just been a little bit cooler this year i think up up to what we we usually see by now i think the warmest i've seen in the last two weeks has been about 76 77 but then like yesterday on the river it was 73 74 but you can go into some creeks and they're you know 76 to 80 consistently 
Yeah, it's getting there. Well, if you had a tip of the day, man, if somebody's going to come up there and go fishing, what's your tip? Well, I think I already gave that away. You know, you can go throw a Senko <laughs> basically anywhere where there's grass and catch a bunch of little fish. But, you know, we don't really target little fish. You know, at least I don't. If it was me, I would I would go out. I know this is going to be bad for bad for business for me, but go out and scan them ledges. And you may find you a big school. They might not bite. But if they do... You know, you're gonna. I've been throwing a big worm, big worm on a. It's actually four by four mixed head. I use it's. It's a ledge head. It's got a real hook in it. So when you, when you jack them, it goes through their skull. But it's easy to get my customers to drag a worm and catch big fish. So that's what that's what we kind of do right now. Fish get a little more active. Awesome. Well, we appreciate that tip. And today's tip of the day for segment two is brought to you by Great Days Outdoors. Great Days Outdoors magazine guides you on hunting and fishing south of the Mason-Dixon. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. Well, Jim, thank you for that, man. Appreciate you being on again, and I uh, always look forward to having you, man. You got a, got a lot of knowledge, and, and we appreciate the report that you bring us when you're on here. So tell the guys how to get, and, get in touch with you, man. Exactly. You know, we got the social media platforms. You need to send us a message there. But my website, or you can, you can text or call me. My number is 256-698-6593. And my website is Guntersville bassguides.com awesome well guys if y'all want to go catch a few fish out on garnersville give jim a call uh and and he'll get you on some fish and teach you a few things about the ebbs and flow of the <laughs> famous lake garnersville jim thanks for your time man look forward to having you on again and hopefully get your trailer fixed soon and be on your way uh, all right i appreciate it guys appreciate you jim see ya see ya all right, man. We appreciate Jim being on here. Another good report from him. I always love to hear from our Gunnersville people, man. That's everybody wants to know about that place, don't they, Steve? They do. They uh, they really want to know how to catch them on Lake Gunnersville, but it's not always easy. But it is uh, truly an amazing lake. Uh, it really is, especially if you spend some time on it. But look, there's many other amazing places. Let's talk about one of them. In Alabama. Let's go over let's go over to Smith with with for segment three with Michael Walker. What's going on, Michael? Not much, just uh trying to recoup after the holidays. I hear that, brother. I hear that. Well you are the striped man in Smith Lake and we want to hear about these big striped bass up there. Uh I mean we've got a really, really, really strong early summer bite right now. Our numbers are the highest they've been since for a long time. Uh, they've finally given us a green light to use blueback herring if they're caught in the lake. So just on a, your average trip, we're catching about 15 more fish per trip. So wow, um, done a lot, lot, lot for us over the last couple months. All right, so yeah. if you say in 15 more fish on average, what's the average I mean, day? I mean, what are you catching on average day? You know, on, in an average four to six hour trip you're looking at just on an average you're looking at anywhere between six and ten fish and so you know we're we're at last week before the holidays weekend started going up to friday we averaged about 24 25 fish um so huge huge difference and um you know when you when you're over one or two fish and you don't have the right bait it's hard to get those one or two fish to commit, but 
when you have the bait that they're focused on and eating, uh, it's not hard to get that single or, you know, two fish to jump on it and you pick up those two here and these two here. But when you're fishing a secondary or third bait that they're really not even targeting, uh, it's not as easy to get get the single fish or the, the loose fish. So dig in there a little bit deeper. Explain a little bit more about what, what you're saying with the single fish, double fish. Like Help us visualize that a little bit more. Okay. All right, so, I mean, like, let's say you're going down a line, or you're off a point, anywhere on a line, on a drop, wherever, and you don't have a group of fish. I mean, if we get over a group of fish with live bait, and let's say we don't even have the best, let's say we don't have bluebacks and we got shad. If they're on a blueback bite, we're only going to get a handful of those fish because they're really not targeting shad. They're, They're targeting the blueback that are all around them. So we'll get a handful of them. If we go over that same big group with blueback, we're going to hammer them. Not not necessarily every second, but we're going to catch more than we would if we had shad. Now, if we start going down the line and we see some scattered fish where you got two here, one there, two here, one there, kind of junky, uh, not, not a lot of fish together. We didn't catch those fish last year or the year before when we were stuck with just one bait and it wasn't a bait that they were really focused on Mm. um we might catch one or out of that line or we might get two but now i can sit in a spot and have two fish come under me and we're going to get two bites whether they hook up Mm -hmm. or not i mean whether we get them in the boat we're going to get a lot more bites now because of we're actually using the bait they're pretty focused on uh so so basically what you're saying is smith lake has recently allowed you to start using blueback herring that you have caught out of the lake not brought in but caught out of the lake and now you can use a a double rig uh, versus a single yeah it's not a double rig it's just more it's just more about uh being able to use the right bait Mm -hmm. we've been handcuffed for seven to eight years uh, not being able to use the primary bait of the lake because it's been it's um, been so, in there it's been in there and they've oh, just been fighting it for for so long. Yeah, it took like one year from the time they found it, eight to nine years, and it just about the same time to finally come around and allow the guides and the public to use them. They took a little from us with uh, the new laws about transporting, so we lost several of the things options we could use because they're hard to catch in our lake with it being so deep. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, them giving us a hearing is we've got a guarantee on catching fish now or you don't even pay. We mm-hmm. couldn't have even thought about doing that. Mm-hmm. We do a five fish or you don't, or you don't pay. That's and strong. We couldn't, have, we couldn't have guaranteed you a fish when we didn't have the herring yet. We, I mean, not that we weren't going to catch some, but we couldn't guarantee you. So. Right. Now, when you're – made a huge difference. You know, Smith Lake is a is a very deep lake and a and a, a very clear lake. So when you're when you're using those electronics, you know how deep. I mean, I'm sure early. I mean, I'm sure it changes throughout the day. But when you're primarily catching your fish, you know how deep are you looking? Well, I mean, like right now, our fish are just finally working off off our flat off our thirty foot flats and drops right there around fifty. 
they're backing out to about 40 to 50 foot of water or 40 to 50 feet deep so i mean at smith they could be over 150 feet or 200 feet suspended roaming they could be sitting on a rock wall with a 60 foot drop at 40 and 50 but um you know we're 77 degree water temp right now and uh as soon as we hit 80 those fish are gonna drop and move to the lower end of the lake once they get down there i mean we're fishing from 80 90 130 um we do a lot of deep deep water power reeling and jigging with basically saltwater equipment we're using four and a half ounce spoons so you can keep contact with it um we're using tungsten four ounce weights in front of uh texas rig swim baits to put them in the trees and get them out a couple different tactics when they get that deep and uh they get in the trees there but uh that's kind of you, you're really looking at deep water fishing why why do you think they're going that deep the bait's there the bait, um, before the bait you, is... yeah before before shad you know are going to typically going to be from 40 40 feet up and they're going to be locked into that 40 foot thermocline most of the summer they they don't handle uh deep pressure very well at all mm. but the herring they're no issue so you have herring caked in trees at 80 feet and 100 feet, well, there's going to be fish by them. So. Yeah, that's crazy. But the funny thing is they don't even eat. If the herring are at 80 feet, they don't eat them at 80 feet. They push them up to the top. Uh, as the summer gets hotter, mm-hmm. they'll push them up to the top, kill them by pushing them up so fast, and then wait for them to die and eat after they're dead. <laughs> they're lazy. What? Pretty smart. Like a, like a smart. Pretty hey, uh, Hey, we've seen it. We've seen it over the last three years, and we were like, "Man, these herring kills! Look at this herring kill!" And then all of a sudden, two, three minutes later, you'll see the fish lazy Susan rolling. They're not busting like they're chasing fish. They're not yeah. top water blowing up. They're just rolling, mouth open before they get to the surface and going back down. Stephen, do the bass largemouth don't? I never hear about anybody fishing eight. I mean, there's bait down there, but do you ever hear anybody fishing 80, 90 foot for, for largemouth? Well, it all goes back to the whole thermal climb and, and the environment that that lake is in and, you know, w- whether or not there's oxygen down there. And, and, but yeah, I mean, it's rare. I mean, the deepest I've ever caught a fish off, off a, a largemouth bass uh, drop shotting was 41 foot. But, people do uh it's just it's not in every environment and every lake that is deep that the bass will go there it has to it's got to be a viable living space and 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 even even for stripers i think and so i guess you know smith is one of those lakes where it's not it's not dead man you know it's not a you know past a certain spot uh, area it's it's just dead water apparently it's not that way on smith but uh no nor normally no no <laughs> uh not like that yeah so uh very interesting well man you, would you say that fishing is good right now are they acting right oh yeah i mean uh minus a couple of days it took it took a day today was probably a little slower than what we left a week ago uh we caught 13 today definitely wasn't what we left before the holidays but yesterday was even slower so we're pulling back together after the the chaos from this weekend there's really not boat traffic or, i mean we just have a lot of fishermen on those holiday weekends and it's not the strike necessarily our strike fishermen but you combine them with every bass guy that's going to be hitting every point and drop off 
they just move them around so much on holiday weekends. It takes a minute for them to come back uh, to where mm-hmm. they're together solid. Mm-hmm. So, so, so really, I think the the key to today is just knowing that you got to have the right bait. And on Smith right now, the herring is the way to go. Do you do you go out and catch your herring every day before your trip, or what is your approach? Because you say it's sometimes difficult to catch them on the lake. What's your approach it, to have your number one bait ready to go for your customers? Uh, most of our trips are starting at 3 a.m., so I'm on the water at about 12.30. The last two nights, it's taken me 10, 15 minutes. So I've had Hold on, wait, 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 This is crazy. You're on the, you go to the lake at 12.30 a.m. is when you start. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, like, technically, let's say I'm having a tough night and i got to get the bait. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I come empty. So, I mean, <laughs> I've got to get the bait. So, on a bad night, and they're real, real deep, and I'm having trouble, it might take me the whole two, two and a half hours before they show up. And I might even have to blend in, bleed into their time 20 minutes and still have to get us a little more bait on a really bad, bad day. Now, how often does that happen? Not that often, but I have to prepare for it mm-hmm. because, I mean, the last two nights it's taken me two casts and I'm sitting there. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it is what it is. So well, you have waited all this time to reveal the the actual, the real secret in what you're doing. Because I'm sitting here, you know, we're talking. Last time we, we you were on, we're chit chatting. We're I'm visualizing all this approach. And it's daylight in my mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, nowhere did I, I picture this being in the dark. Nowhere did I picture <laughs> this being in the dark or a guy. Your customers have uh, got to be kind of hardcore fishermen to even want to sign up for a 3 a.m. For the 3 o'clock start? Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's basically, I'll, I, I mean, I'm going to tell you when our bite is. And uh, then I'm going to give you options. Yeah. And it's you want to show up at five or you want to show up at seven, just know that from three to seven was when the bite was. And we'll be happy to take you out when the bite's not happening. Mm-hmm. But we want you to know that's not what we're suggesting. I mean, mm-hmm. we stress hard to try to get them out on a good trip. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, well, you can... if the good trip is from three to nine in the morning, we're going to try to press it on you because yeah. – now you, it's what you're paying for. Yeah, absolutely. And you're guaranteeing, you know, so you it's it's right. you got you got to. I can't now, go you, out. Yeah, I can't go out when you want to. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. guaranteed. Are you do you see that shift throughout the year or is that that 3 to 9 tends to be for these big striped bass? That, that's that's the go-to. That's going to be our that's our entire time from you know, let's say 2 weeks ago from till October. That's a that's going to be our you know, will we choose to do an evening trip from 6 to 12? Yeah, we'll do some of those. But truthfully, you have more people on the water in the late evening. You still have a lot of bass guys uh, blowing around the lights and still on the water at 8, 9, and 10. The lake's dead at 3 o'clock. There's nobody out there. <laughs> I mean, you've got, cool. you got, you got a couple of hardcore people out there, and that's about it. Now, if so, I get up to come fishing with you at three in the morning, how big a fish am I going to catch? Because I need to be motivated. Oh, I mean, our average fish, if you look at our Facebook page this last week, was uh, average fish was around 16. We caught some 20s and mid-20s, and uh, 132 was landed. But, you know, summertime, we're, we That's do big. scale down a little from our biggest fish in the lake. But, you know, we're still catching 
pretty quality fish throughout the summer. That's awesome. It's it, it, it never amazes me, Brian, that every week we hear something we weren't expecting. <laughs> right. And this week was no different. And well, if, if guy wants to come, you know, look, he might have to, you know, go to bed a little early the next the, the day before. But if guy wants to come hang out with you, catch a bunch of fish. Listen, he's guaranteeing Guaranteed. our money back. Who does that? Who does that? Michael. Michael, how can they get in touch with you? They can uh, check out our website, fishing247guideservice.com, or they can give me a call at 205-503-2020. That's awesome, man. Well, we appreciate it, brother. And uh, it sounds like it may be a good time for me and me and Stephen to, to come to Smith Lake and see you. I, I, I need to experience this. We sure get a lot of photos uh, for the for the webpage or whatever well well man thanks for your time and if every if everything is right in my mind brother you need to go take you a little nap you've been up for a while yes so yeah i'm going to bed as soon as we hang up (laughs) (laughs) don't blame you well we ain't gonna hold you up brother we'll appreciate you being on and uh as always and we look forward to to talking with you again soon and and we do want to come up there and get in the boat with you one night man that sounds like a lot of fun and and we'll look forward to, to trying to line that up yeah, always enjoy being on and I uh, look forward to seeing y'all at some point. All right, buddy. Take Stay care, in. man. All right, y'all have a good one. Well, this segment was brought to you, which was a great segment. Again, I mean, I love having this guy on, but uh, just to talk about the, the, the difference and, and – it's just it's just something new. Catching a thirty pounder, man, of anything is crazy. I'll wake up at three in the morning for that, or be on the lake at three for that. But I mean, I'm probably not sticking my arm in a catfish box, but I'll I'll get up and go catch a thirty pound. Oh, you're gonna do that too, believe me. <laughs> I mean, We're gonna do that. We're gonna do it soon. I yeah, promise you. I got to get you out there to do that. Well, that segment was brought to you actually by me, by Brian Sin with National Land Realty. Hey, guys, y'all already are, are, are trusting me with your fishing report, and I appreciate that. It means a lot to me each and every week, to me and Stephen both. But uh, if you're looking for some land, if you've got land that, that you want to move, and uh, give me a call, 601-383-2344. Man, I'd love to help you with your land purchase or your land sale. So 601-383-2344. Stephen, man, great show, good guest on. Really, as far as looking at several of the, you know, a couple of the guests that we had on today, it seems like one of the consistent things coming off Memorial Day weekend was boat traffic. So that's kind of one of my takeaways to, from today's show is how the boat traffic actually uh, does affect the fish. Absolutely, absolutely. And so next time you're considering heading to the lake, you got to look at all things, not just what the fish are doing. So, yeah, uh, you never know what you're going to get on the show from week to week as far as what the key element. And if you think about it, I mean, it, and it always happens. Uh, even a couple of weeks ago, I mean, all over the state, the key was uh, dirty water. Everything yep. was dirty. Everything was dirty, and you really had to, you know, take that into consideration. So, yeah, we never know the the common denominator, and that's why we love doing the show is hearing the common denominator and, and helping you guys get out on the water and, and, and have great experiences and try something new, go to a new lake, um, you know, go to a new place in the state. and Go at and, 3 in the morning. Get away from the boat <laughs> I mean, that's how duck hunting is for us, so. I hadn't fished competitively in, in a several years, and, and so I hadn't got up at 3 o'clock in the morning to go fishing. Uh, I used to a lot because that was just the nature of the beast on tournament day, but uh, brother needs a little bit of sleep. 
So I, I'll just have to chew on that one. I'll yeah. chew on that one. So. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, man, just like we do every each, each and every week, we appreciate everybody listening. We hope that you'll tell your friends about it. And uh, that is going to be a wrap for this week. So please subscribe, rate, drop us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. Uh, if you'd like us to email you the podcast, man, we'd be we'd love to do that so you don't miss a show. Just head on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com slash A-F-F-R, and we'll send that show to you each and every week. So thanks to all our sponsors. Thanks for all of our callers today. Appreciate you, Stephen. Been a good show, man. And uh, I'm going to try to have not as eventful of a weekend this weekend as I did last weekend. And, uh, man, we look forward to talking with you guys next yeah. week. Well, I've been uh, already been on RVShare.com again this week looking for a deal because we, we may do it again. It was a lot of fun. So <laughs> There's no telling what I'll be next week, but I'll be on the show. That's awesome, man. All right, look forward to it. And uh, you guys stay safe on the water, catch a lot of fish. Look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks. See you guys. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Killer Dock. Check out the full line of all-natural dock-enhancing fish cleaning stations at KillerDock.com. And also brought to you by Geico of Mobile. Give Ron Davis, your Geico agent, a call at 251-445-0053 or visit him online at geico.com forward slash mobile dash AL. And brought to you by Fish Bites, ready to go when you are, regardless of when you're ready to go fishing. This bait stays on the hook and the fish stay on the bait. Check them out, fishbites.com. And brought to you by You Do Outdoors. Check out You Do Outdoors on your app store, Google Play. It's a social media app for whatever you do outdoors. This episode was brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344. And also brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com.